Hey guys, this is a special episode of the podcast. And there's sort of a call to action at the end. I'm going to give you a brief overview of it. Brenda is a 21-year-old who was fleeing El Salvador. Uh, she was going through the normal detention process in San Antonio, Texas, that everyone seeking asylum would go after. Uh, but Brenda has type 1 diabetes, and her care was not good. So I'm going to talk today with Whitney Drake, who was a um, an attorney trying to help Brenda. Brenda's situation didn't go as well as it possibly could have because of that, because of a risk of her of her health and safety. She had to request deportation and stop seeking asylum. I want you to listen to this story. It's only about 30 minutes. It's amazing. And at the end, I'm going to tell you how you might be able to go pick up a phone and try to help make sure that Brenda's actually receiving the care that she needs. Uh, at this moment, no one is sure if Brenda's safety and health is being looked after in any way that is reasonable. And actually, I've made the phone calls that I'm going to ask you to make, and I've recorded them, so you'll get to hear them at the end of the podcast. So this is Whitney Drake. She's a immigration attorney. She's going to tell you all about Brenda. I really hope you spend some time listening today on Friday, June 7th, and then take a couple of minutes to act at the end. Because I think if somebody with type 1 diabetes can count on one person, it's you, another person who understands what it's like to live with type 1. It's a quick phone call just to say, hey, I hope you are taking care of Brenda and making sure that her insulin needs are being met. You'll, you'll hear at the end when you hear my phone call. But for now, this is Whitney Drake. Uh, my name is Whitney Drake. I'm a staff attorney at a nonprofit organization in Austin, Texas called American Gateways. We provide direct legal representation to immigrants in Central Texas, and we also provide advocacy and outreach services to the Central Texas community. How did you get started doing that? Uh, so I wanted to be an immigration lawyer for quite some time, so I decided to go to law school. I went to law school here in U at UT in Austin, and um, upon graduation, um, wanted to do immigration work. So I uh, started in this position in October of last year. Well, good for you. That's excellent. I, uh, it just it seems like a very specific thing. Is there something that happened in your life that made you say, "I want to do immigration law," or just? Is it, or is it something that's just local and it's in your face a little bit? Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes kids, when they're going into college, they pick things that they see around them or that they're, they're comfortable with, or I don't know. That just seems, yeah. no, not really. No, I mean, I started learning Spanish um, in about fifth grade and fell in love with it. So I went to college and studied Spanish. And as part of all of that, you learn very quickly um, about Spanish-speaking communities in the United States. And so that's when the fire was lit inside me, essentially, to do this work full-time. Oh, that's really cool. Um, so you and I are talking today because, and I'm, you know, I'm going to let you say the person's name, because I uh, did not take Spanish in high school. So Brenda Menjivar Guardado, uh, she's a 21-year-old from El Salvador. How did she end up um, being someone you know about? So uh, as part of what we do at American Gateways, we go weekly to the closest detention center uh, to Austin. So there's a women's facility, civil immigration detention facility called the T. Don Hutto Residential Center located in Taylor, Texas, about 45 minutes north of Austin. Um, and Brenda actually approached us um, every Thursday afternoon. We have presentations in the gym and a workshop to help women who don't have attorneys. So Brenda approached us um, and was wanting to know how she could get 
out as quickly as possible. She was, um, and, and she seemed very upset. And we asked her, you know, why do you, why do you want to leave? You know, what's going on? And she then, of course, uh, told us about uh, her medical condition and the symptoms that she was experiencing because she was receiving the wrong type of insulin and detention. And so that's how we got in contact with her. So that was uh, recently on June 22nd, actually. So Brenda, Brenda found us. Okay. And so to go backwards a little bit, um, Brenda's in a detention center because she's seeking asylum and this is just a normal part of the process. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. So um, we detain um, asylum seekers at the border. So that's uh, her situation. So she um, was apprehended on, you know, the end of May um, and then was eventually transferred um, to the Hutto facility about June 8th um, while she waited for the initial steps of her asylum case to begin. What's the the length of time that the, that asylum can, th- this case, before it's seen through and, and decided, I guess, whether or not you're granted or, or denied, how long does that usually take for uh, the average situation? Yeah, every case is different, and detained cases are um, quite specific. So for someone at the detention center in Hutto, we've, um, you know, some women are released quickly, whether that's on bond or other forms of release, and other women have to complete their entire case in detention. So if that's your situation, you know, you could be detained, you know, anywhere from six months up to a year. Um, it's really a case-by-case uh Thing. Okay. And, but Brenda was there since you said the 22nd of June? Or that's no, Brenda was transferred. Aware. Yeah. Yeah. We met Brenda on the 22nd of June. Brenda was transferred to Hutto specifically on June 8th. Okay. So she's been in the country <laughs> since the, the first week of June in this process. Yeah. End of May is when she arrived. Yep. May. Okay. And so we, do you know now after speaking with Brenda, she has type one diabetes? Yes. Okay. Were they, what kind of insulin were they giving her? Why was it the wrong kind? So uh, Brenda communicated to us that she was receiving a long-acting insulin only. Um, and before she had been detained by Immigration and Customs Enforcement in Laredo, she had been self-administering a type of insulin that is both long-acting and short-acting, which was Novolin. Um she has access to her medical records, but not all of them. So we don't have the full information about what she was receiving. Um, but we know uh, from speaking to Brenda that she was receiving five injections daily of Lantus. Um, and she was well aware that that was the incorrect type of insulin that um, she needed. Um, she knew she needed a combination of long-acting and fast-acting, and Lantus was long-acting only. So it just, her body was not responding to it. So interestingly, so now I have questions. Now now you've, now my brain's waking up. So um, here's a couple things. So first of all, mm-hmm. I assume that wherever Brenda is, there's a glut of Spanish-speaking people. So it is not, it, it's not a communications issue that she can't describe her medical condition. No, Brenda was is an incredibly intelligent person. She could describe it in great detail. So no, it's it's not a communications issue. You know, um, the Hutto facility has medical staff, and they're required to obviously use interpretation with the women. So either the medical staff speak Spanish or are using an interpreter system. Okay, so then that leads me to my next question because I have um, been the parent of somebody who has type one diabetes for a decade, and there's really no situation where you would receive five injections of Lantus in a day. Yes. So how can, Yes. I'm... it's just not, it's just, it's, 
I don't know. It's strange. It's like trying to use your garbage disposal as a food processor. It's not the right way to use it. And and so no yeah. one, no one would consider using it that way. How are you how is someone finding themselves in a situation where the medical people are so confused about how to even the, the med, forget that the medication they're giving him giving her is not completely correct. Like so she's off the Novolin now. So she would need Lantus, but she'd also need a fast acting like you're saying. So how mm-hmm. how are they that confused by it? I can't answer that question. Um, unfortunately, I do not have contact with the medical professionals working out of the Hutto facility. So I I cannot uh, defend or explain their actions, unfortunately, and I don't have contact with them. But, um, you know, Brenda was able to communicate what she needed, but they were not um, willing or able to give it to her. Um, so... Lantus was what was available to them, and and Brenda was well aware that the the dosage was way too high. It was the inappropriate medication. Um, and when we alerted, you know, when I contacted Immigration and Customs Enforcement to request her immediate release, um, we also informed them of the medication issue. And in response to that, um, they called a meeting with Brenda. Um, they asked her to drink four glasses of water in their presence, and uh, they told her that the medical professionals at Hutto told them that she was not complying with their regimen, their medication regimen for her, and that's why her blood sugars were so high. And we're talking astronomically high numbers. You know, I wasn't familiar with this before I met Brenda. I don't have family with diabetes, but I mean, her average blood sugar levels the entire time she was in custody was 294. So they spiked at 452 as recently as June 23, for example. So uh, really, really high. Um, And she let us know that um, at some point, uh, the week after we requested her release, she the dosage was increased even more. Um, but she wasn't informed if it was a different type of medication or not. She just knows that she was given more. Um, so oh, that's right. And let me so let me go back and ask a, a slightly different question to give myself some context. So I'm assuming that I I live in New Jersey. I I don't have I've never once in my life thought I should flee New Jersey. You know, so um, when yeah. so when someone is finds themselves in that situation, whether they're just looking for a better life or they're trying to get away from something or whatever it ends up being, what I'm being struck by now is if you have a, a medical condition and you're in that situation, you think to yourself, I am going to go to America and, and try to start a new life there. But I have this medical condition. I guess the feeling must be. I'm going to the big shiny land in, in, in America and it's all going to be fine. I'm going to get there and I'm going to tell them I have this and I need medication and they're going to go, no problem. We're America. You're good. And, and it, you know what I mean? But that's a frightening idea. Like, I don't know. That's just such a frightening idea. As I sit here and think about it, the idea that she knew she was going to have to go somewhere, probably have to give over the medication she had and then trust someone she'd never met before, but that that seemed still worthwhile based on her desire to leave where she was in El Salvador. Like it just, that's really, I don't know. It's a big idea for me to, to think about. I'm sure you talk to people all day long who give up family and connection and everything to, to, to try to come to America. But I, I don't know. It's different for me. Like it feels, it's very scary. Um, yeah, you know absolutely. What I mean? I can't, it, it's just, it strikes me how brave she's got to be to do it to begin with. And then to arrive and find 
no one with a with a passing understanding or as i'm considering this i keep thinking i wonder if they're just pushing the lantis to keep her from going into dka like they're not really looking to keep her healthy or to manage her blood sugar they just want her not to get so high that she ends up in dka like i wonder if that isn't the thought process because i can't think of another reason why it would be like that um, yeah, I mean the incentives are not exactly aligned, so you know no, I cannot. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't expect. Now I'm just talking out loud, uh, Whitney. I'm sorry. Yeah, but but it, it just it really is like it's a striking idea. So so she's still in detention today. We're talking on what is it, July seventh? It took us a couple days yeah. to get together. Is she still there? Yeah. So Brenda was um, on June 29th. She saw a judge and. Um, we had talked about this um, beforehand, but she she was afraid and, you know, I assume remains afraid of dying in detention. So um, when her request, our request for her release was denied, um, she felt that she had no choice but to request her deportation. So Brenda requested to, you know, procedurally, she rescinded her request for her credible fear interview. The credible fear interview is the way that you start an asylum case in the United States. So she rescinded that request and the judge accepted it. So at that point, she was, uh, the process for her deportation began. So she was actually transferred to the ICE uh, facility in Laredo for continued processing. Um, I was not informed of the transfer. I have asked um, ICE to provide me with her deportation date or an update, and they have not responded to me. So um, I have not had contact with her. Our office has not had contact with her since uh, June 29th, um, and I don't know when that transfer was made. So out of fear for her health, safety, and her life, she just said, I guess I'm better going home where I can at least take care of this on my own than, than to continue on what I'm, what I'm trying to accomplish. Right. Yeah. I mean, she had communicated with ICE multiple times what she needed, her blood sugar levels. You know, she had been in a diabetic coma when she was 13 years old. She was experiencing the same symptoms that she experienced when she was a child and was, you know, of course, then diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. But, you know, from her point of view, she was absolutely terrified. She knew what the end of the road was. Um, she wasn't getting the attention that she needed. And so, you know, to save her life, you know, she's in an, she's in an impossible situation, really. She fears return to El Salvador. That is not a good option for her, but she was afraid of her immediate safety and health being in ICE custody. So yeah, that's the decision she made. Are you able to tell me what the circumstances are that led to her wanting to leave El Salvador? No, I'm not. Okay. Um, can I ask you, does does not the correct word to start my sentence with do a lot of people <laughs> sorry do a lot of people feign health issues to try to get through the process quicker is that why they're we, scared of it at ice i you know i don't know if ice sees that often um you know from our point of view as the service providers working out of huddo for many years now we've um never you know in recent institutional memory we've never um, had a client in such a, um, like a you know, desperate situation, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> dire situation right, like right. Brenda. Um, you know, we have her glucose logs, um, which are, you know, given to her by the staff at, at Huddo. Um, 
So certainly I have no doubt in my mind that Brenda is, you know, telling us the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, do other people feign illness? I really, I, we've never seen that, no. Because, because you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously she can't fake her blood sugar. If she can, she's a, she's a superhero. If she can fake her blood sugar being high like that. But it's, yeah. you, you know, but, but, and what a horrible superpower that would have been to get. Can you imagine? You, you didn't get to crawl, <laughs> crawl up a wall like a spider yet. You were able to manipulate your blood sugar levels. But nevertheless, let's get back on track. Whitney, if, um, it it just it really is you know well I guess this is I guess this is my question like moving forward now that she's in the deportation process and you're trying to hunt her back down and even though you can't tell me why I'm assuming you feel like the reason she wants to be here is a pretty sound reason are you going to be able to pull her back through this process like are you because basically what it just seems like happened here was that the government of the United States decided, wow, look, we, if this woman's in a bad situation, if we hold her here long enough, she'll, she'll either die or go home and then not be our issue anymore. Is there a mm-hmm. way to, is there a way to restart this process for her in a way that doesn't end her up in detention and everything? I mean, um, there's got to be a different path to it. Is that, uh, uh, or am I wrong? There's not necessarily another path. So, you know, at this point, Brenda, you know, understands the consequences, but is, you know, under a situation of great uh, stress and I would say duress. So she's making the decisions that are best for her in the moment. But at this point, you know, she she will be removed from the country if she wants to come back. You know, you have to physically be in the United States to apply for asylum. So you know, returning to the United States, she will likely end up in the same situation. And this wouldn't be the first time we've seen, you know, people realize, you know, they get to the United States, they realize they're going to be detained for months. It's a really intimidating situation, very confusing, very scary. Um, and some people are have other, you know, medical problems, psychological problems, for example, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and, Detention is not appropriate for those individuals. And so that was obviously Brenda's situation. Detention was not appropriate. She should have been released uh, to begin the case and attend her court hearings outside of the detention system. So now that she's being processed for deportation, we asked her, you know, at this point, you know, do you want us to try and reopen that interview process? And her, her decision was no. I mean, she's once they denied her request for release, she's she she's concerned she's going to die in detention. Right. So Right. So she doesn't see at the moment she can't see how coming back would lead to anything different than what happened the first time. And at this point you're not able to secure a better um outcome for her either because so so where does this lead you in, in the in the work that you do? Are you guys gonna delve into the how the medical aspect of this works? Are you going to be able to get contact with the medical people? I mean, is it possible that it's just a misunderstanding about how to manage her diabetes and that it could be straightened out and she could be brought back into a better situation? Or does that, or or do you think you, without, without Brenda, do you lose your way to talk to them? So we have contact with the ICE officials at the Hutto facility. um, Like concerning communication regarding Brenda, my strategy has changed to obviously just ensuring her safety and health while she's still in the country. So we're trying to coordinate with people in Laredo to go and uh, visit her to check on her health. Um, Laredo is about four hours from Austin. Um, In terms of moving forward or are they aware of the situation, 
They are definitely on notice about the different types of insulin and specifically what Brenda needed. So I don't, I don't know if it's a question of education. Um, we certainly provided plenty of resources, um, including a, a letter from an endocrinologist describing the type of insulin that someone with type 1 diabetes needs, explaining what normal blood sugar levels are, explaining the consequences of sustained high blood sugar levels. So I think that they have the information that we need. Um, and of course, now that our office understands the issue much better than we did before, we can certainly be on the lookout for people in Brenda's situation in the future. But it does require them to self-identify to us. Yeah, right. Are you? Were you through the process from the 22nd when you became aware till today, and and everything you've learned about diabetes and detention kind of mixed? Are you surprised that it, along the way it didn't get fixed? That someone didn't just like? Were, did you wake up every morning thinking? Oh, this is the day they'll realize and and help her, or or did it seem like a an uphill battle that wasn't going to get won through the process? Is that is well, that a fair question to ask? Because do you know, what yeah, I mean? like, I just, was there hope in your heart about it, or did it seem like it wasn't going well? Well, there is certainly hope in the sense that I thought Branda deserved representation. She deserved for her issue to be heard. Um, and so that was very necessary. I needed to be aware of what was going on in their facility. Um, did I think she was going to be released? Um, no, but I I can't explain, you know, the decision making. The decision we got was pretty... Um, you know, plain. They said they had reviewed her case and decided to deny her what's called humanitarian parole. There's a specific provision of humanitarian parole for people with um, medical conditions um, for whom continued detention would not be appropriate. And Brenda clearly fits right in that category. So I was disappointed with the decision. I wasn't surprised. Um, I am, for liability reasons, very concerned for Brenda and for them that they have not um, adjusted her medication appropriately. That is kind of beyond uh, my comprehension for sure. Yeah. Because while, while you and I are talking sort of in the abstract about how this could go forward or how it might work out better or worse the next time, Brenda's still in detention. And as far right. as you know, not being given the, the correct medications. Correct. When's the last time you had correct. contact with her? June 29th. And so and is that a is that because she's now a distance from you and you guys are a local organization? Well, there's no way for us to have contact, unfortunately. So it's not um, it's not easy. I can't pick up the phone and call Brenda. Brenda does not have email, um, and so that's why we were reaching out to people physically in Laredo who can go to the detention center and visit her. Right. Um, but yeah, we are we're a low a low resource nonprofit, and I yeah I will not be making a trip down to Laredo. So we're reaching out to people there, um, partner organizations with the help of grassroots leadership who has contacts in Laredo, and uh, finding someone there who can visit her and check in on her health. Do most people get through this process with their life? And that's an odd question, but how many people do people pass in, in detention? Is it pass a, away? Yeah. Is it a, is it a common occurrence or not, not particularly? Um, common, there, there are multiple deaths every year in ICE detention. Um, there are statistics available on that. The information is public. Um, but yeah, people do die in detention and that's 
a very real fear of Brenda's and mine that she will, you know, fall into a coma or die in detention. So yeah, people do die in detention. People have died in situations similar to Brenda, people with diabetes um, and other medical conditions that aren't receiving the proper treatment uh, while they're detained. So um, it could absolutely happen. It's a very real possibility and it happens um it happens with some frequency, but yeah, it's public information. There are some good news articles about it. I just don't have those numbers in yeah, front yeah, of me. Yeah. So Whitney, is it, so I want to, I want to say like it keeps, I have, I have a question and I have a statement. So my, so my, all right. So let me ask my question first. Would this have been a different situation prior to the Trump presidency or would it have been pretty similar? It's very hard to answer that question. You know, um, we have seen some differences in how detainees are treated uh, with the change in administration. But for Brenda's particular situation, like I said, this is a this is a real outlier for us in terms of the um, dramatic, you know, nature of her situation, the dire nature of her situation. So I, you know, it's impossible to say. We have seen other. Um, you know, their willingness to release women on bond or on other um, ways that they can release people such as humanitarian parole. We have seen a decrease in that. Um, but, you know, regarding her medical treatment, that I don't know. So is it proper for me, like, so I don't understand the, the legality of this idea, but if you're not an American citizen, can you be discriminated against because of your health by the American government? No. You no, the ADA the fully right. applies. Oh, it does. So, okay. So, yeah. And so in my mind, not being an attorney, I'm thinking that this process, like forget what the process is, whether she's trying to gain access to the country or not, like whatever the process is at the moment, it feels like she's being discriminated against because of a health issue. Like, like yeah, I absolutely not, right? disagree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, or I agree, excuse me. <laughs> finally, but she, she finally, hasn't Whitney, been given. Finally, finally, I said something you agree with, and then you said disagree by mistake. It's okay. Yeah, I know. No, 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 no. no. But because because that that really is the situation. Let's say yeah. you're a person with the steel that says, all right, I'm going to go into detention. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to wait out my three months, my six months, my year. I'm, I'm get it, Whatever I'm getting away from is, is bad enough. I'm willing to do that. And so here I am, I'm willing to do that, but I have this medical condition and these people are withholding my medication or not properly giving it to me. So because of that, I have to go home. I can't, I can't desire to go through this process because this really is, this is the modern, what Brenda's trying to do in my mind is the modern example of, I'm going to get on a ship I'm going to sit on it for six months in steerage and hope I don't die or a rat doesn't give me some disease and I'm going to get to Ellis Island and I'm going to become an American. Like this is the modern version of that. Is that correct? I, I agree completely. Yeah. She's, she was not given a fair chance whatsoever to apply for asylum under international law and under U.S. law. You have a right to apply for asylum. And when you're in a situation like Brenda, I absolutely agree. She She was left with no choice and you know, I agree with your, your analogy as well. You know, people sacrifice a lot. It's incredibly dangerous to flee Central America, travel through Mexico on foot, and then arrive to our border. And then the treatment that they receive once they're here is substandard and incredibly frightening. You know, these are people who are, you know, they're not criminals. They're not um you know, people to fear in any sense of the word at all. There are people here seeking protection and we're not adequately providing it. And Brenda's a, you know, a standout example of that. Yeah. 
It's it's um it's embarrassing, honestly. You, you know, it, it is. yeah, yeah. I feel I feel I'm completely not connected to it in any way other than I live here, and it it feels embarrassing. So, um, wow. Because what it feels like, and this is conjecture on my part, but that it totally does feel like that they know if they make it hard enough, maybe she'll just ask to be deported. Like it just that's, yeah. That's why. Yeah, that's why we detain people. You know, we don't make it easy for anybody. Um, It's just inappropriate treatment when we're talking about, you know, people without criminal records or people with low level criminal records, people who are here seeking asylum, you know, those are inappropriate groups to uh, detain. But we have a very, very robust, um, you know, civil immigration detention network in the United States, a lot of it run by private prison companies, including the Hutto Detention Center. So, Oh, the see. incentives are not aligned. Yeah, no, I, I that that's becoming pretty obvious as I'm speaking to you. Okay, so um, I was going to ask if there was anything people could do in general for Bre- or, or specifically for Brenda. It doesn't sound like they can, but is it possible to create enough noise that someone rethinks this and finds her and helps her? Yeah, I mean, we have thanks to our grassroots leadership, you know, people were calling on her behalf to push for her release. And that's still a possibility. She could be released uh, pending her deportation. Um, You know, my requests for her release have been denied. um, And now ICE is not responding to me. So, you know, any sort of uh, support that people can provide, you know, grassroots provided a call out on Facebook to call on her behalf. Um, I can't say, you know, exactly what will be the most effective at this point, but certainly if anyone is in Laredo um, or any of your listeners, that would be even more um, helpful. To, but, ge- to genuinely just go to the detention center that she's at and or to contact them directly? It would be the phone call. So grassroots leadership on their Facebook page had a call with the number for the San Antonio field office um, and a little script about Brenda's situation, including her her A number. So, you know, Googling grassroots leadership on, you know, and their Facebook page would get you to that. Um, But, you know, at this point, um, my main concern is advocating for her health and safety while she remains in detention. I don't think it's realistic that she'll be released. Um, So... But it, but it is it is yeah. worthwhile trying to help her stay healthy while she's getting back to El Salvador. Absolutely, absolutely. So we have people on the ground here in Austin. A wonderful attorney, Faye Colley, for example, who has um, you know gotten volunteers together with medication. Um, so trying because the problem is right. Brenda's going to be put on a plane. Um, and then she'll be taken to San Salvador, El Salvador, and we don't, you know, unless someone's there to meet her at the airport and, the, you know, the communication is the problem, right? So yeah. communicating with people and getting her what she needs to remain healthy once she arrives, you know, because once she's out of ICE custody, she is not their uh, liability any longer. So uh, Faye has gotten some supplies together and things like that. And we're trying to coordinate and get in contact with her again to get those things to her if possible um, and advocate still for the correct treatment. Yeah, because it's, you know, as people sit and listen to this now, it's not a movie. It's not your life. She's not going to land at some shiny airport and her mother-in-law holding their puppy is going to be standing there waiting for her with a balloon. It's, it's, she's going to, they're going to be like, get off the plane. And then that's that. And, and so now she's, mm-hmm. she can't Uber home, I'm assuming. And, and, you know, like, no. you know, right, right. so, so it's not the same world we live in. So now she's just going to be deposited in an airport and still not have her medication 
or, or ways to speak to people or ways to travel. And probably, yeah. and I know you can't, it sounds like you can't speak too specifically about her situation, but it, I, it's possible she has nowhere to go when she gets there too. Right. right. I mean, she fled for a reason. Her, right. her immediate, she'll experience an immediate danger to her safety returning to El Salvador. And so uh, luckily she has had contact with her mother and her doctor in El Salvador. They're aware of the gravity of her situation and they are, you know, on call, so to speak, for when she returns. But um, it's not like, you know, yeah, it's not like our lives. It, it's not going to work out no. in the way that people listening to this can imagine it happening for them if they... Uh, if they found themselves in it, coming home from vacation and landing without the right. vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. okay. All right. Whitney, you've, this is you've ruined my weekend by telling me this. <laughs> it's, I don't know how you yeah, do this. Yeah, it's you're, not you're a, a fun story. You're, 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 a, you're a saint for this being your line of work. It does not sound like a high paying um, job. And I'm assuming you, you paid to go to law school. So um, it is really, it's very kind of you to, to put your, your talent and your effort into this uh, for for people who are seeking asylum, it's really you, you're a, you're a kind person. Good for you. Oh, um, thank you. It's an honor working with them. Yeah. No, I, it, it 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 just it's okay. Gosh. All right, Whitney. Way to bring me down. Um. All right. Now, so here's <laughs> what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on Facebook, and I'm gonna find what you're talking about, and I'm gonna attach it right here at the end of the of this episode. Sounds good. I'm happy to send you the link as well. Well, that would even have been easier. Let's do that instead. Okay, okay. Um, Whitney, I hope if we ever speak again, it is under better circumstances. And if you have an update at any point, and even if it's just a couple of minutes here for the podcast, if you have any kind of update when this resolves, I, I would love to, to talk to you again for a couple of minutes and get it on the record. Great. Well, thanks so much for your interest in Brenda. And definitely, I'll be in touch uh, when we have more information. Thanks so much. I hope you have a good weekend. Yeah, you as well. Thank you. Okay, so I've been on the Facebook page now uh, to help Brenda. And what, I've seen, what I'm seeing is that people have been calling the ICE San Antonio field office and speaking to or leaving a message for a Melissa Lopez. It seems that Melissa does hang up on a lot of people when, they hear Bren when she hears Brenda's name, but I'm still going to give it a try. So Melissa Lopez at the ICE San Antonio field office, 210-283-4712. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Director's Office. Hey, I was looking for Melissa Lopez. This is she. Hey, Melissa, my name's Scott Benner. Um, I do a type 1 diabetes podcast, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually recording our call right now for the podcast, and I was calling to find out if you had any information about uh, Brenda Menhever Guardos. No, I don't. No, has she, has she still in your custody at, at San Antonio, or has she left? Do you know? I have no idea, sir. Do you have any idea if her medical um, situation is being handled properly? I do not have any any information on the case. I work in the front office for the director. I do not get involved with specific cases, so I'm sorry I don't have any information for you. Would you have any way of knowing who I could reach out to it who might know? We're concerned that, that she's not receiving her insulin and, and could be in a, a life-and-death situation. I wouldn't be able to tell you. I mean, uh, wherever she's detained, she would have a case officer assigned to her, and I would assume that that would be the person that would be needed to speak to. But if you're not a family member or her attorney, I don't think that they would speak to you. We, we can't be giving out information on certain people. Okay. Is there, a, is there a process that I could go about to find out where she is? So at the very least, we could call there and see if she's okay? I mean, I'm sure there is. But like I said, if you're not a family member or her attorney, um, we will not be giving out that information. I see. 
Okay. Well, um, okay. thank you so much. Sure, no problem. You know what? I'm going to find the phone number for the Laredo Detention Center on my own. Let's call there. You have reached the Laredo Processing Center, owned and operated by Core Civic. If you know your party's five-digit extension, you may dial it now. For Spanish, press 9. For receptionist, please press 1. For medical, please press 2. For the education office, press 3. Let's try medical. Good morning, medical. Hi, my name's Scott Benner. Um, I do a podcast about type 1 diabetes, and we're trying to follow up on someone we think is detained there, uh, Brenda Menhever Guardados. She was in San Antonio, uh, but wasn't getting the correct insulin, so she um, withdrew her petition for asylum and I think is in the, the process of being deported, and I think she's with you, and we're concerned that she's not getting the proper insulin. She has type 1 diabetes, and we're just trying to call and check on her. Uh, you're, you're trying to call to get information? I just want to make sure she's getting her, her insulin at the moment. And we are Okay, and we can uh, discuss any of her in the medical department. You would, as long as she puts a, a medical request and all of that, she's, they'll take care of her. Okay, so I, we're, I'm sorry, I'm recording for the podcast now. I just wanted to let you know that. But at the same time, she did put in the medical request in San Antonio, and they weren't giving her the correct insulin. That's what led to her um, stopping her asylum request. She's trying to go to where she can get her insulin again. So she's trying to go back to um, El Salvador where she can get proper medical advice. So I'm just trying to figure out how do we know how can we be sure that she's receiving the correct insulin with you there in Laredo if they couldn't handle it in San Antonio? It's a life or death oh, situation. Okay. She's a type one mm. diabetic, so they right. they were giving, right. they were giving her her slow acting insulin in incorrect doses and no fast acting. Her blood sugars were up near three hundred pretty consistently. <laughs> so I I'm just as long as she puts in, as long as she puts a request. To the medical department, they'll call her in and they'll take care of her. And are you the medical department? Do you represent them? Yeah, we're the medical, but we are not allowed to give any uh, inf out any information. Oh, and I can so, so I completely understand that. But can so can I just put in this request to you? Can you take a couple of moments out of your your morning to see that she's actually receiving fast and slow acting insulin? I mean, I'm uh, nothing okay. official. Can you kind of just as a person? Could you take a couple minutes to make sure she's getting what she needs for me? Would you do that for me? No, we can't. Let me transfer it to the HSA one sec. Thank one you. moment. Thank you. Got transferred. Hi, my name is Scott Benner. I just got transferred to you. Um, we're recording for a type 1 diabetes podcast right now, so you're, you're being recorded. I was calling to check on Brenda Menhever Guardados. She's uh, in your care right now, she was in San Antonio where she was not receiving. Um, she's a type 1 diabetic who wasn't receiving correct insulin. So um, after a, f a few weeks of trying to accomplish that in San Antonio and it failed, she requested deportation. She, re she, you know, she decided to stop asking for asylum because she was worried for her safety, uh, her health-wise. I'm just trying to make sure that she landed somewhere with you in, in Laredo where someone understands her needs for insulin. Um, and I know you can't release any personal information about anybody who's detained there. I'm just calling. Where are you calling from? 
Uh, my my name's Scott Benneram. We're recording for something called the Juice Box Podcast. It's a type one diabetes podcast. I'm just I'm looking for someone to check to make sure that she's back on a regimen of fast and slow acting insulin and that her blood sugars are not at the 300 level where they were in San Antonio. I'm not allowed to release any information like you mentioned. Yeah, and I don't want you to. I'm I, I I'm just wondering if I could get you on a person to person level to take a couple minutes out of your day to check to make sure it's actually happening for Brenda. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> But would you take a couple minutes to go to medical and make sure that she's receiving fast and slow-acting insulin and her blood sugars are not at a dangerous level? And if I tell you yes or no, I'm giving you information, and I'm not allowed to give you any information. I appreciate that. So let's talk around it for a second. Um, I would hope – what's your name? I'm sorry. Hello? Yes. I'm just – so let me just say this out into the air, and then I'll let you go. I hope maybe you find a couple of minutes this morning to go check on Brenda Menhever Guardados and make sure that she's getting fast and slow acting insulin for her type one diabetes and that she I'm not allowed to give out no, information. I don't want you to give out any information. I'm just saying I hope that maybe you take a couple minutes today to go do that. I'm calling just to say I hope you or someone goes and checks on her and makes sure that that's happening because at a at a dangerously high blood sugar level, she is at risk for DKA, uh, and she could slip into a coma and die. And in I'm a medical staff member, and I know that very oh, well. Cool. So I'm going to let you go. I'm going to wish you a very nice weekend, and I'm going to hope that you go check on Brenda, and, and I hope you have a nice weekend. You too, sir. Thank you so much. All right. Wow, talk about a stone wall, but I think maybe we got the message across. Maybe this is what we do. Maybe... Everyone calls 956-727-4118 and gets a, and then presses 2 for medical and then you just call to say that you're calling to just ask someone if they would please just check to make sure that Brenda is receiving her fast and slow acting insulin properly to help her treat her type 1 diabetes. But that would be a fun way to spend a couple minutes on Friday, huh? All right, so today is Friday, July 7th. Let's see if we can't inundate 956-727-4118. Pick option two for medical and ask the person who answers to please go make sure that Brenda's receiving the proper insulin. Thanks for listening to the Juice Box Podcast. This episode was recorded, edited, and all those phone calls were made within an hour and a half on the morning of June 7th. You can be an advocate too for Brenda and for other people who are being detained when they're seeking asylum. Just call up and make sure that someone's taking care. Okay, uh, there'll be a regular episode of the podcast coming up next week. I'll talk to you all soon.